welcome to discussions of music, healing, and consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. On this podcast, Chris and I offer a spontaneous, ongoing conversation about how music is intertwined with healing and consciousness. Our first season helped lay the foundation and build some of the superstructure for what we want to do here in Season 2, where we'll be welcoming some intriguing guests, going deeper into ancient mysteries and wisdom, and cultivating your background knowledge and curiosity. We hope these discussions will inspire your own study and practice of the musical and healing arts, and that your contribution to advancing world consciousness will be satisfying for you and transformative to those around you. Let's get started. You make this episode about bringing as much healing energy to our listeners and our audience as possible because, you know, healing can totally come in a frequency vibrational way and just us talking about what we love and just broadcasting our frequency as maybe as uh, woo-woo as that can sound to some people. There's science to back that up and, uh, yeah. and beyond that, it's a, it's a feeling. I mean, I, I just, you know, people appreciate everyone can understand when they meet people that they like, they say, I like that person's vibe, you know, right. Vibration. <laughs> I, I like it. I, let's do the healing thing. I've got something to share about phonons, oh. which is, uh, I, I don't know why they came back to me. Well, no, I know exactly why they came back to me because I mentioned it when it was new in a podcast that I listened to, or that finally dropped or something. So uh, yeah, let's do the healing because the world needs healing, right? You know, doesn't it? It always does, but, um, it feels like now it's a little more pronounced. It's, it's more pronounced, but you know, to be honest here, so we're not we're not going to heal the world in one podcast, uh, but we might be able to heal one or two people, who then reach out and heal one or two more people, you know, and and start the ripple this way. So um, so here we are, dude. Heal heal me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, even that right off the bat, right? It's like, well, no one can heal other people in a way. It's we all just basically allow the other person to heal themselves more than yes. anything. Um, but of course that does come from, you know, us putting an intention out there to, to make that uh, connection happen. So, so say, say that again, because this is like really key, I think. Um, yeah. And, and it all it's, goes back to the self. Sorry. Yeah. yeah to the self. No, you're right. I, I just wanted to make really like a fortissimo on this, <laughs> right? Because it's not about, and, and, you know, I'm saying this great respect, you know, surgeons do amazing work. So there are some things that we need to get experts involved in, but what we're talking about right now is a healing that takes place within each of us. And nobody is going to reach into my heart and fix it. You know, I have to do that work, but other people can invite you to do that work. They invite me to do that work. So, uh, so Chris, invite us to do the self work that we must do to heal. Well, it's empowering, right? I mean, that's the yeah. end of the day. It's it's to empower everyone else uh, to find that that you are your own surgeon, you are your own doctor, you are your own guru, you yeah. are your own coach. You know, that is ultimately the power. At the end of the day, all all resides within you, the individual. And then Bill and myself are literally reflections of your own inner consciousness, and you know, it's basically all always comes back to you. So when we say, you know, we want to heal people or heal the world, it's also, we may as well say we want to heal ourselves because, you know, I would say for me, the last couple of weeks have also been, um, my friend used a really great analogy. She's like, don't tell me how you feel. Tell me what kind of weather you're experiencing internally. And I'm like, right. Oh, yes, that's, that's awesome. Right. That's really nice. 
Yeah. And so this is what we did yesterday at our, our small, we had like six, seven people at this breathwork music journey event here in Vancouver. And we got everyone to share what their internal weather was. So, you know, audience, like just check in for a moment. What's your internal weather while you're listening or watching this? And it's kind of fun. So, I mean, I described yesterday, I was like, well, actually my internal weather is similar to the weather we were having out, outside in the world yesterday, which was a mix of sun and cloud. You know, there's these patches of beautiful bright light and blue sky. And then there's these really thick, dark clouds <laughs> and they're all mixing around. And that's, I'm like, that's exactly how I've been feeling the last couple of weeks is there's just a whole kaleidoscope of uh, pretty interesting emotions and they're all light and dark and everything in between. And uh, I thought that was a cool analogy right off the bat um, to help, you know, I think sometimes the English language can be really limiting. And so when we're playing this role of, okay, well, again, you are your own healer. So you can check in with yourself and just ask yourself right off the bat, what kind of weather are you experiencing right now? You know, what is your forecast look like internally? And that can sometimes even just saying that can be like, yeah, wait, you know, it is a storm. I feel like I'm going through like a thunderstorm, but I also feel like the storm's a little further now in the distance and I can see it, but I'm not in it. You know, these are, these are great ways to describe how we feel. So I think that's right off the bat. This is a great way that people can start to almost self-diagnose yeah, in a yeah. way using this weather analogy because it takes language and all the categorization and all the kind of, I don't know, it's, it's tough to put spiritual, energetic, non-physical ideas into the English language. It's very limited yeah. in that way. So we use the weather. Use, we use weather. Anything that's an analogy for uh, what's happening or what, maybe a better we uh, a weather metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm just thinking about this. There's so many other things you could use too. Like if you're, if you're a chef, maybe a yes. cooking metaphor makes sense. You know, what, do you, what is it that you're cooking up today? If you're a mechanic or you love cars and vehicles, how's your vehicle feeling today? You know, yeah. is there a little rusty rumble in the engine right now? <laughs> or is it running smoothly? How do you feel? Or coders. I mean, if you're into the creative world of coding, uh, are, are you working on something that's completely boring right now? That's just rote, repetitive stuff. Or are you like pushing the limits of AI, some new algorithm you're putting together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a great way to start. And then you can get into so many avenues. And this is another thing too. You know, I was having a really lovely chat with my friend after this event yesterday, we had a great debrief and we were sharing ideas uh, for future events. And in our conversation, we just kept, we kept like mentioning new practices and new things that both of us had encountered that the other hadn't heard of. And we were like, Oh, that's a cool thing. Oh, that's a cool thing. And you know, once again, we're, we're just blessed these, these in this day and age with this thing called the internet and pretty much infinite knowledge at our fingertips. And then that's the, the, the next thing is then as your own personal guru, as your own personal coach, you can start to now look at all of these things. we got breath work, meditation, yoga, Qigong, uh, a billion other things in there, uh, forms of healing uh, that you can really dive into that are, are accessible, you know, like, I don't even like random things that I've been seeing more about, like reflexology, uh, different traditional Chinese medicine uh, modalities, or you can get into, I mean, it is, again, this is a fun rabbit hole to go down. So then that's where we can start to look like, what are the modalities that you like? What are the things that gravitate? Because 
I might have all the things that I'm going to, I love and I could list them all off, but just our listener viewer watching or listening right now, you might not resonate with those. So it's again, empowering you to go out there and see like, what are the things, you know? And of course on this podcast, we're likely going to suggest, uh, start with some sound and music, you know, because that also goes with all the other things. And that's the nice thing you can start to look into as well. And I don't know, Bill, like when you're doing any of your practices, meditation, whatever, wh- when and how do you like to incorporate sound and music? Because I don't think I've actually asked you that. And I'd be curious. Oh. To you. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> you know. So at, when you were talking and I was thinking about uh, a topic I want to cover in a bit, but the, uh, the really cool thing about being a musician is that so much music is inside you already um, a lot of people who listen widely have a lot of that too but like our job chris me our job is to have music in us ready to go you know drop the hat we can make it happen and a lot of that music uh, is memorized but you know memorizing music is deeper than that because you not only memorize the notes and how the muscle memory has to go to make them happen and if you're a wind instrument or Something else, what you know, what you have your muscle memory of your mouth, your embouchure works. Uh, If you're a drummer, there's a lot other all those things get memorized too. And then you also memorize the emotional content of the music because you know, if you don't have the emotions down, it's going to sound dry and flat when you reproduce it. Um, This works for improvisation too. (laughs) You know, you have to know that in the space, you're going to be ready to go. So there's that spiritual, inspirational level that just is over the cliff. You know, it's time for the solo now. Ah, right, here we go. So all of that is part of the memory of this thing. And because of that memory, and because of what research has told us about music, when we remember any of that, like in the moment before the music starts, you're sitting there ready to go at the keyboard or whatever, and the moment before the music starts, you are fully present with all of the music that's going to happen in the next 10 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes, like a hologram appears that is the music. And every part of the hologram, right, is is representational of the whole hologram. You could reduce it down, you still see the hologram at the smallest level. So that's the kind of memory that musicians bring to that moment before the, you know, one, two, three, four, bang, off we go, right? That moment right before it happens. So with that kind of presence, here's the point. Um, research tells us that that works on us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually works on us the same way as if we hear the sounds. So it's kind of like we don't have to wait for the sound, <laughs> you know? Uh, if we want to connect our need for healing with a particular music or a particular uh, sound or a particular frequency, whatever it is, uh, that is available inside of us human beings instantly. Bang, it's there. You don't have to wait. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, right? The moment you're in it, you're in it. And there's a beautiful uh, way that that happens. We want to talk about that in a minute. So uh, that's that's my moment of music. You know, when it comes to me, Chris, it's like, okay, oh man, <laughs> you know, I need to, I just let this stuff go here. So what am I going to use? And right away, it's like, okay, so David Hikes hearing solar winds, bang, right in my place. And I'm hearing the incredible tube and throat singing stuff. It's just coming in and just like letting it all go. I can feel that right now. Like I'm feeling that right now. Uh, you guys all know this, you know, you, a piece of music that makes your skin crawl. You get ASMR, you know, with that 
whatever that stands for. I can't remember right now. Something about the spine and a, and a reflex. But that wonderful uh, kind of skin tingling thing that happens. I think of a song that brings that to you. All you have to do is think of it, and you can prove the science uh, that they found about this. So that, a long-winded answer, but is that is that getting you there? Yeah, I mean, long-winded answers. That's that's why I love podcasts, right? Yeah, so, right. Because uh, you talk for all day. <laughs> <laughs> and by the uh, way, we're I, trying to set a record with this one. So if you're all listening right now, you know, <laughs> have a meal, get a nice cup of coffee, put your feet up, and we'll see you in three, four hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, that's how I love listening to podcasts, to be honest, though. All joking aside, I, I do love getting a good one on and just uh, yeah. throw it up and having a nice listen or sometimes going on a walk, you know, and getting more active and just listening to that. I, I love podcasts for that. It's why I love doing this with you. And and uh, the whole process is is so much fun. That's why we're that's why we continue to do yeah, it. Right. Years later, actually. Now it's been probably approaching two years, I think. Oh, yeah. We should probably start about start thinking about a season three. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody out there listening to our operational conversation, they wanted to come here for healing and they got, uh, got well, us. Well, you know, if I, if I learn anything, Bill, it's, it's healing can come from the, the funniest kind of places though. Sometimes, you know, Oh, sure. You, like not even it, intentionally. It just, exactly. It surprises you. It's sometimes the silly conversations that we have or, or other people I know when I'm listening to a similar thing on a, on a podcast for, as an example, and there's just this kind of tangent rambling and laughter and goofiness that comes out. I always like, I love that. Like that's another reason why I love podcasts is because yeah. it's uncensored, unedited. Well, I mean, sometimes it's a little edited, but still it's pretty much a raw open conversations, the whole point of a podcast. Yep. And, uh, and I love that because of those little moments of non-scripted humanness, basically it's humans right. being humans. We're, we're silly creatures, you know, like the fact that we get taught to be an adult is kind of a crazy thing. I'm not saying we don't want to be responsible or, you know, like oh, look come on. after one another. Let's just our... stop being responsible. You've seen the world. <laughs> Who wants responsibility for all of that? <laughs> well, it's also a very good point. <laughs> Can't blame you for that. But, but I know what you mean. But it's, you know what I mean? It's like, I obviously totally. there's, there's elements of becoming a more mature, like just wise person. Uh, that's important. But also, you, I mean, the fact that this, this whole, I mean, as a kid, I remember like my, whole objective as a kid was just to grow up and become an adult. So I didn't yeah, as fast as possible, anymore, you know, because that's what I was conditioned. You're like, you're working your whole way to become this quote unquote adult, you know, to get into the real world, quote unquote, whatever the heck that means. Right. Yeah. And you're like, you lose this element of play and the playfulness and just being silly and not taking life so seriously. I mean, kids are the most expert people we can look at for how to play. They are expert players. They literally always look for the opportunity where to play, you know, in any given situation, yep. no matter how bleak or dark. I mean, yep. I, I even at a funeral, as an example, you see, still sometimes see the kids running around and chasing each other and exactly having a great time while we're all bawling our eyes out. And that's okay. But it's like, look at how, look at how they're taking life. And remember, kids are that much more fresh from quote unquote source, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, where they're bringing that fresh, almost like yeah, cosmic uh, higher consciousness energy. And almost that, that reminder that as we get bogged down into from physical reality 
and, and experience more and more traumas and all these things that just like program and, and create stories and beliefs in our mind of how we're supposed to quote unquote, be quote unquote, whatever that, again, whatever that means, you know, then we start to lose that, that play. And so I always, I'm very grateful. I live in an area where I have a park about a block away where it's a very family oriented uh, neighborhood. And there's always daycares and kids after school and stuff running around playing, especially also with dogs too. And everyone walking their dogs, same energy, same idea. They're just these examples of, look, I mean, one of the most healing things we can all do is, is add a little more laughter, add a little more levity and lightness into our lives and just try to, I'm not saying to like, not to, to ignore what's happening in this world or stick our head in the ground. No, I'm not saying that, but in order for us to move through all this challenge, you think we're going to move through it by just focusing on only the negative, or are we going to move through it with maybe a little bit of laughter as, 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 as nuts as that sounds, it's not to be discriminatory towards the suffering, but it's to also bring that humanity back where it's like, we have to be able to laugh at the craziness because that's what keeps us sane. And I think that's, what's going to give us the strength to continue to move forward. Cause it gives you hope. It gives you that light to like, why are we even bothering? <laughs> you know, if we and, can play uh, together, we've got it right. I, I think that, I mean, look at kids in the park when you got all walks of life, they have not learned all the categorization that we teach, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, that person's a, this person or a, that person or a, from this thing or from that place or none of that matters to these kids. They're like, you want to play? <laughs> cool. Great. Let's go. <laughs> Done. There's no, there's no thought. It's just like, you're, you're a beautiful being. Yeah. Uh, you're here. Do you want to play catch? I don't Let's know. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I felt that recently walking by, um, it's like a very Canadian moment here, but I was walking by uh, the park and I saw these guys playing hockey and I was just like, I was like, and I was busy. I was on the phone. I wasn't able to make the interaction, but I was walking by and this like inner child part of me was like, Hey guys, you want, can I play? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted Pick to up game. go. <laughs> You know, and you're just like that child comes out of you and you're like, hey, you know, just like, I don't know, a bunch of strangers. I just wanted to play with them, though. So I think that's a big thing that we need to still remember is I know it's tough during these challenging times, but can you bring a little bit more laughter, a little bit more play, lightness into your life? I was on a call a little bit ago with a, a PhD psychologist who's a mover and shaker in the world of emotional intelligence, just a bunch of other things. I mean, just he's all that, right? And we were just talking, he was talking about what we've got going on. And it was like we were kids on a playground. And he was so lit up with what he was doing. And um, the uh, the native totem of the t- coyote came up. The coyote, you know, the trickster and stuff. But he's been working a lot with native peoples uh, up in Canada. And they identified that archetype in him. The playful trickster um non-gender specific uh kind of what would you call it like a a shamanic influence to open up to something fun and healing and innovative and just all all of that that invitation just really powerful there and it was it was such a blast to watch that on my friend's face right to see that happening in real time it's an archetype i believe right yeah it is it's an archetype those archetypes Uh, yeah, there's a. I have somewhere here. I have an, an oracle deck, one of those card decks that has animals in it, and the coyotes present in that, of course, along with others. But uh, it was wonderful to see that energy. And and here's a guy who's come through his entire career, just very intense career now, like pivoting around play. Wow. Right. And um, 
thanks to uh, First First Nations, First Peoples, uh, who are offering that invitation to to play in a new way, right? To right. Play in a new way. And that's like that's an it's it's an ancient practice. Ancient. It's so it's so funny that especially not right now. I mean, we are really falling back in a great way, in a great way into these teachings and we're kind of revitalizing them and, and sometimes yeah. putting a little modern twist, which I think is beautiful and, uh, and needed, you know, because these ancient practices are, well, they've lasted the test of time for a reason. And it's also cross cultural. It's, it's also um, cross planetary. I mean, it's, it's all over the globe. We find so many similar teachings with their own unique variations right uh, certainly in, in unique language to it but the same principles being, same being principles. taught culturally yeah. appropriate yeah yeah and and that's amazing so again like that's another resource we all have is to look at the first peoples of our uh, geographic area wherever that is and what are they what are they talking about what are they teaching and maybe what resources are they potentially offering um is a great way to start. And then at the end of the day, like I said before, the internet, you know, like right. we, can look at, we can look at these teachings in a general sense. And, and, and again, when there's some that resonate and just pop out, like those are the things that you might want to explore more of. And, uh, and why not? Maybe, you know, we had some amazing, uh, my friend brought her drum, which, you know, in a lot of first nations or first people's community or cultures, they, uh, building of a drum is a very sacred practice, right? You know, yeah, there's a whole yeah, process yeah. and it's it's beautiful because you literally infuse your own spirit and into the spirit of this drum and the skin that you're using of the drum. And when she was playing it yesterday with my piano, oh my God, it was just like, it was just so powerful. And it made me go like, I want to, I need to get a drum. Like I need to, I need to do that. So that's like right. my, one of the many you know, next steps I want to take in my healing journey is getting more, you know, as a musician, especially I'm like, I've never built one of my own instruments i've never oh my gosh yeah as keyboardists we don't really no get that invitation often (laughs) no (laughs) hey let's go build a piano how cool would that be to to build your own instrument right so i'm really that's the kind of stuff i want to look more into truly Uh, i know there are instruments like fundamental instruments the banjo is something you can build guitars you can buy kits uh, I, I don't think there are any drum kits there probably are but to build the kind of drum you're talking about like the native drum it's find somebody who can teach that right is there some there must be people oh well i mean here in vancouver there definitely are in the surrounding yeah. area because my friend was working with a um yeah uh first nations uh community around this area with yeah. uh, with a you know an individual who teaches that and it was a whole workshop and um it was beautiful and oh, i have yeah, a couple of that. friends who have done that too so it's there's a good community for that here in british columbia um and i'm sure west coast us or or who knows i mean yeah who knows i, no I know who to ask yeah right? yeah and so. you know what well i'll do a plug for that and put it in uh christine stevens dr christine stevens is Wonderful. a drum circle facilitator she's a music therapist but she's known worldwide and um my wife and i are fortunate to have had drum circle certification like facilitator certification with her but if anybody would know it'd be christine because she has all these amazing drums that she's collected for years. And just for a moment, Bill, I'm like, you're just reminding me of like the, the power of drumming just right off the bat. So one, another thing I'm looking to build for the new year is I want to make a course of how, how to unlock your inner musician essentially. And I find a lot, a lot of these courses I'm, I'm kind of dreaming up right now, or, or they start with how to unlock blank. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And this one's definitely going to be geared for non-musicians 
And because I, th- I believe every human being is a musical. Obviously, we we born with a voice uh, for first and foremost, which is a uh, amazing musical device. And I want to open up and invite non musicians to express themselves musically in like a matter of literally seconds. You know, I don't want this. You know, yeah. and, and drumming is probably one of the best ways to start that process because you yeah. don't have to worry about melody and harmony. And right off the bat, if you're just focusing on rhythm. There's so much right there. There's so much. And you can, anyone can pick up a drum and start oh, man. banging put, a tune. <laughs> put, put a tune you like in your headphones and then just start banging on the ta- on the desk with your, with your hands. Not hard. Please don't hurt your hands. But, you know. Use it by yeah. fingers sometimes, little drumsticks or whatever. Right. And if you're into it, like grab some sticks. It's not easy to, uh, you know, go to, into Guitar Center anymore. But if you've got a place near you that sells musical stuff and can find a tambourine, you know, or whatever, order it online. Yeah, Facebook Marketplace too. You know, like I, I love buying. I, not that I'm at all a fan of Zuckerberg or uh, a lot of the things that Facebook does, but I will again. Like with life, it's never black or white. And one of the positives I have to admit with Facebook, I do love the marketplace. I've got a lot of gear there before, and uh, yep. as well as I like meeting the people that I usually buy from. I always end up having a really lovely conversation with them, and you know, it's it's a nice experience. It kind of brings us back to again these more ain't older times when the real marketplace was exactly like that. And yes, it was us. These bonds where like we all need things and we can all work together to get rid of and take and and, and share and, and all that kind of stuff and trade and that's basic human nature at it, at its best. And uh, that's another great way you could find some cheap, uh, very affordable instruments, sometimes free too. They give them away for free on Marketplace a lot. Oh, yeah. I've seen whole pianos for free as long as you can move yes. them, right? They're just well, and that's, gone. Yeah, that's the thing, right? <laughs> you got to, it's the paying for the move is the, is, yeah. but sometimes it's not so bad, you know? So, um, so that's a great thing. That's a great way to start is with percussion. And the thing with percussion too, is to take it further is the, the one of the many reasons why it's so healing is because of that frequency, that pulsation that the drum can make i find especially for the times that we're in right now where we're moving through a lot of very uh dense emotions like anger you know frustration rage sadness depression and all these things drums are very primal and very almost aggressive and i mean that in a positive way where it's like it's like aggressive healing you know you're like yeah you kind of need to match that energy and sometimes just sitting in a very peaceful meditation is not going to help, especially with anger. And we've talked, I know we've talked about this in other podcasts, but drumming, you know, I remember as a teenager, like I had a drum kit, a real beater crap kit, but didn't matter. I just, I came home from high school, usually not too happy. And I was just like, bam, 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 you know, yep. Guy in our neighborhood down the street every day, a little after three 30, it's in a just, uh, teenage angst, you know, it's right. great to get it out on the drum kit. <laughs> okay. So this is relevant, um, but kind of long. Have you heard about the longitudinal study of IQ where they took kids in kindergarten and they followed them for like 40 years? No. Yes. Uh, I, I wish I had a citation for this. I'll have to find it. Maybe I can find it, post it in the show notes, but uh, yeah. So they got kids in kindergarten to do an IQ test. And the idea was that these researchers were going to follow these kids as they became teenagers and adults, young adults, and, and stay with them, you know, for, I don't know, until they were in their 40s. So they did this. And what they found was that in kindergarten, some amazingly high percentage of the kids had genius level IQ. It was like more than 70%. They were, they were, they were all, you know, geniuses. They followed them along and 
over time, the percentage of kids that still had high IQs diminished until the end of the study, like years later, something like 2% of them still had genius level IQ. All the rest of them went through the same school, same thing, you know, whatever. And the study didn't say this, but I wonder if IQ is related to play. Oh, yeah. You know, and the, 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 the less we play, you know, the lower IQ score. But hey, musicians, right, are always supposed to be good at math. And if you believe the Mozart effect, uh, at other things too, you know, like, so there's a supportive thing about listening to music that helps with intelligence. Definitely. Well, what if you're spending your entire life playing as musicians do? And by the way, no disrespect to anybody in the arts, but you don't play the paint. You don't play the sculpture. <laughs> yeah, you know? like there's an element of play, I would say, with Yeah, there is, but you don't have to explain different. it. You know, you, you play the piano. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. You, you play the harp. Um, uh, no offense to any harpist. I play the accordion. But you don't, you know, play the clay. You play with clay. Yeah. And I, I think that that mindset, that, that fundamental thing about what we do, Chris, it's just like built into us. But, yeah. you know, even video games are not, well, they're fun. They're not play, really. Board games, especially Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of stuff, there's more play involved in that. I would, uh, well, the one thing with video games, and this is where it's so funny you mentioned this, Bill. I recently just went on Facebook Marketplace and bought myself a, a, my, my old system that broke a couple of years ago, P a PS4. And I grew up with video games and my cousin works in the video game industry. I've done some music for video games. And I think it's like any of the art forms is there is, especially in the mainstream with video games. Yeah, I would agree. Not, especially with like, you know, modern warfare and like these, these very, very violent games that are literally trying to program future soldiers. And it's just like, no, no that, that I'm like, yeah, no, I don't love that at all. And um, you know, there's there are beautiful games that have been made. Oh my um, gosh! And I like, was a Mist advocate and Riven. Those yeah. immersive, figure it out. There's a thing. beautiful. I just told a friend of mine who was, um, yeah, complaining about like a, an ex boyfriend getting lost into video games, and that that's a whole other story. Because I, I said like I don't really think it's the video games personally. I think it's it's addiction. You know, it's yeah. either you're addicted to alcohol, whatever porn or you know literally anything right it, it's like the addiction is the issue not the video game not the substance yeah. per se yeah. even though anyway it's that's a whole other conversation and i was just saying like look there's also video games that are there's one that i love called abzu it's a meditation game and it literally takes you through the spiritual awakening process but through a metaphor and it's all underwater and your whole character all that you're doing is swimming through these beautiful fantastical underwater environments and you go through basically a spiritual awakening journey where you go into these dark, you know, shadow areas and then move through and take the whales will take you to this light area. And then you come to the surface and you're awakened and it's a, it's a short game, but it's beautiful. And there's little p parts you can find throughout these levels where you literally have a character, your character sit and meditate and there's beautiful music. And you can, as the game player, sit and meditate with your character. Nice. So it's like, and I played a wicked game a couple of years ago that was this music game where as you jump through the level, every little thing and item that you hit adds a melody to the song. So as you progress through the level, you create this 
awesome piece of music as you're playing. And so it's like, you know, there's these really cool exceptions, I would say, in the video game realm where you can really have quite a, a playful healing experience, you know, that's that's where it's like exciting right now. There's so many healing opportunities in things that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't even expect. But I'm going to make a case for the organic stuff. Um, Could you have the same game with two people playing it together, but without the technology? And which one do you think would have the better effect? I'll tell you another thing. So I'm going to, I like this. We're kind of playing like little devil's advocate here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like D and D is what I'm thinking of. I love it. And D and D is great. And I, my friends yeah. growing up were obsessed with that. I never fully got into it like they did, but, um, but it's fun. It's like, uh, it's really like make believe in every sense. Right. Yeah, I completely. Mean, right. Imagination. And it's performance. It's almost like, um, your yeah. inner actor really comes out with it, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, my favorite way of playing video games with other people, and this is why I've never gravitated towards online gaming, is I always love it in person. So right. two players, game, you know, hammering away at Mario Kart in the same room. In the you same know, room. That's that's the thing. It's like multiplayer, yeah. but in the same physical space. Yeah. Yes, you can get some of that online, but it's it's not the that's same. where I'm I'm always gonna come back. It's the same with online events. You go you want you wanted to do uh, an online concert, that's cool. You can do some cool stuff with that, but it's nothing like seeing a concert in real life. There's just yeah. there's no comparison. And I would yeah. say it's the same with video games. Um, so I think you could have a similar experience, but it has to be in person with the video game situation in the same space. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Because the interact the the um the the one to machine experience of a game so much different than the two in the same room experience of the same game if it's a multiplayer right so i'm completely with you on that and that's that interaction that the human interaction yes don't lose that yeah that's where play happens yes in in my definition i mean yeah you know, I've I've played way too many video games <laughs> and I love doing is that possible? Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? How is it possible? You know, but it's not the same. And I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, Chris. That shared experience is probably the the gold standard for gaming. Yeah. You know? And it's it's like it's therapy. I remember when I was living in Toronto, um, I guess now like three and a half years ago. And, uh, and then my whole life back then, I, I found one of my go-to forms of therapy throughout my, my entire adult life, essentially, was always going to my, my friend's place from my friend from childhood and, and usually having another friend or two join. And we would all play, you know, a, a video game, whatever that might be, a sports game or, or whatever multiplayer game. All together, we're all sitting on the same couch, you know, eating whatever junk food at the time, probably yep, eating, yep, snacking. Yep. Smoking some weed, you know, just having a good time. Maybe, maybe a beer or two, but we're we're more of a of a weed kind of cannabis uh, crew, and we just would be laughing our butts off the whole time. And I was, I would come out of those being like, well, I know we were playing games, but I think the games also were the invitation to just let loose, have yeah. a good time, Safe laugh space. with your friends have have that connection i think with for a lot of men especially i think women too but i think with men specifically men need like an activity when they hang out you know mm-hmm. and for me and my friends a lot of the time that was video games and so i'm grateful for video games just because of all the 
the laughter that has brought me, you know, with just screaming at each other in the game or whatever, right, right. just hysterically laughing. I remember I, almost every time without fail, I, I leave with like an additional six pack, you know, like yep. you're just gut wrenching laughter. It's the yep. best. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm completely with you on this. It's, uh, it's a different world than where we used to be able to just go out and raise hell in the back 40, you know, yeah. but the same idea. And, uh, that's the thing that we need to get back to somehow or, or to, to retain. I, many of us are in that place, but we want to be there more. I think people are craving it more than ever. Now. Totally. Well, your experience at festivals over the summer, I mean, people want to be in that space and be invited into the, a safe way to just, you know, let our hair down and, and play again. And, and some of the best parts of the events, like the workshops and stuff that I'm doing right now is when everyone shares the beginning and at the end, because we always always realize that we're all experiencing the same thing different details same general emotions you yeah. know yeah and and it's that's very, that's sometimes the, some of the most healing things is just to hear that you're not alone and you never are you know like we're all going through our own you know awakening process and in different ways but it's it's ultimately the human experience that we're all experiencing and and that's a roller coaster ride and i think we can all kind of bond over the craziness of it all and when we kind of just feel that community of like yeah it's an it's a pretty it's a crazy ride out there you know living on planet earth as a human being right now it's it's it's, it's a little it's it's nuts but it's also like this is part of the adventure that we signed up for and when you're with other people in that play in that camaraderie that you have through that it, it makes it all worthwhile i think there's a surefire way to get me to laugh, and that's put me on a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just I love you can't. You scream your head off, and uh, right, you've got the 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 rise and the fall of the thing, the weightlessness. If there's a loop, it's just such an incredible uh, ride. And it's yeah, as a metaphor, it, it works out okay too, because if you think about all the crazy as more of a roller coaster ride. Just that tiny little shift uh, can help. Yeah, you're hitting it right on the head, Bill. Because, well, let's let's be honest. Life is a, it is a game, and when you can approach it as a game, even and um, it's never to negate the suffering that's happening because there's so much. But you, for me, I'll just say my personal experience and my current understanding is that this reality is a game, and every game has its challenges. Uh, it has to. It wouldn't be a game if it, if it didn't have right. It. And so you can either look at life from that victimhood mindset that everything is happening to you or that you have, you know, manifested this incredible detailed virtual reality game. And when we can switch that perspective to playing your life, playing the game of life, that's where everything can start to become more playful and lighter and you'll be amazed at how your outer world will start to reflect that more even with the chaos that is completely out of our control oh yeah it's you know the, the only place that it stops is it neutral yeah the rest of the time it's all up and down you know and and acceleration and deacceleration and all of that is all part of it and when you need to rest come yeah. to rest you know yeah. and and the rest is, is important it's so important, right? <laughs> you can't sleep on a roller coaster. It doesn't matter how good your sleep doctor is or what meds you're on. 
the idea about sleep is that you stop, <laughs> stop, yeah, yeah, and find a way to do that. Well, or find a way to play hard enough. I, you know, it's hard to make a distinction between work and play as a musician because there's great. heavy lifting involved. But it, you know, when it all comes down to it, it's still play, and very difficult to go over the same difficult passage you know complicated trying to get the fingering down you know or whatever yeah. uh, that's work but uh, my sister for example is a piano teacher has found a way to break that up where um, if somebody's trying to learn a like accompaniment pattern five finger accompaniment pattern in the left hand she just lets them improvise whatever they want in the right hand and if the right hand isn't cooperating then they'll sing it and because these are all kids who are like elementary school kids they have no inhibitions and just adding that little bit of play into an otherwise difficult and repetitive process turns the whole thing into play and the muscle memory and everything comes along a lot faster that way and uh, i've never sung at my desk at work but uh, now that we have you know headphones and the internet I, can, I watched this change you know in the 90s people were starting to put on headphones and be in their music at their desk regardless of what they were doing it's marvelous to see that that avenue is there for us you know, and who knows if they're listening to podcasts or music, doesn't matter. The tricking the brain out of its malaise and opening it up to something better is the purpose of the drum, right? The purpose of the podcast, purpose of the symphony or whatever the music is in the room. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing how I actually, when you read that study with the kindergarten kids following them through life and just watching their IQs plummet, uh, which is, again, I fully can believe and understand that that's absolutely happening on a much bigger level yeah i know well, it's institutionalized that. unfortunately you know yeah our education is. system is just dumbing us down it is in almost every single possible way and i know it's shifting a little bit but it's it's microscopic shifts uh we need a complete you know revamp of that yeah. and that's a whole other podcast but it's it is interesting to see that because the nice way to Nip that in the butt if you're listening and watching this right now and, and feeling a little despair of like, oh, well, geez, you know, like kindergarten was a little while ago. And yeah, it's been how much my IQ's plummeted since then and blah, blah, blah. So, well, good news is you can get it back. And mm -hmm. lots and lots and lots of ways to enhance your mental cognition, uh, to enhance your brain. And well, one of the best ways is to start playing music. It's a great learn an instrument, you yeah, know, and, and for me. Yeah, pick up a drum or uh, or a harmonica if you want to get into the melodics or a, a, a handpan or a hang drum, the, these yeah. things that are all open tuning, great ways to start. And what, just feel how your brain, it's going to start to do, you can feel like it's doing bench presses, you know, and that's new neural pathways. That's your brain going like, yes, all right, here we go, IQ, you're coming back, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the Fortunately, gym. Fortunately, uh, we have this neuroplasticity. Yeah. Yeah. I remember not too long ago how people were talking about, you know, irreversible damage to brain cells. And then science came along and said, well, it's not really that it's irreversible because even where there's been a lobotomy, the brain figures out how to wire around that. And uh, that's fascinating to me. It's like we can't stop this thing. Isn't that Joe Dispenza's story, I think, of healing like paralysis, essentially? Um, like once again, these, I mean, and this is another whole podcast, but I can't stand 
now when doctors are like, you have this amount to live or right. you are going to be crippled for the rest of your life. You might, first of all, just like, we know the placebo effect is a real thing. So if you're telling, especially that most people, maybe less nowadays and over the last couple of years, we've lost some trust certainly, but uh, I would say still most people believe everything that their doctor's saying. And so the doctor has almost like a godly position and they bring you into this existence for one. So like the white coat doctor image is this, it's an archetype and it's something that's ingrained into our psyche is like this very, well, if the doctor says it, it's gotta be, you know, right. the, truth, the reality, and there's nothing else that could possibly exist. And of course we know that all the people that have defied all of those, you know, um, doctors proclamations of, okay, well you have two months to live. And then the, the patient's like, no, like no. F that yeah. I'm going to find some alternative remedies and yada, yada. And then they beat cancer or they beat whatever situation, terminal illness. And then they, they maybe write a book about it and <laughs> start teaching yeah. it because it's amazing. Like these, these, the, it all comes back to the power of the human being, you know, like comes back to you, the listener viewer, you have all that in you. And the funniest thing about medicine and modern medicine, especially is that it's, it's like it's um, forgetting, is putting it nicely, forgetting that we are the medicine. The human being is the medicine. It's not this external pill that we take. It's, it's the mind. It's the perspective. We are literally capable of healing anything. This is why I love Eastern medicine so much, because it's all about getting the human organism to heal itself. How can we encourage the human organism's abilities you know, to heal itself? If we could figure out how to encourage the human organism's abilities to make beautiful music, that would change so much, right? And and another podcast, right? But Jacob Collier doing his sing-along stuff and yes. like organized sing-along stuff. Everybody sings along at concerts. But to actually encourage people to to do something directed with it. And that's the, that's the discipline of a musical instrument is it's not just being in the space as the music happens. It's becoming a part of the space, becoming a part of, you know, of the sound of the room. And uh, that changes everything. You know, that's, well, it's, it's beautiful, right? Like that's yeah. I'm the music. And like yeah. what, what i I forget who I was some ancient guru of some kind. I forget who was saying this, but basically, <laughs> um, you know, it one of those matters. I was talking to my friend yesterday. She's like, she's like, when she does her workshop, she's like, I've stopped name dropping all the quotes and all the amazing wise words of all these amazing people. It's not no disrespect to them. It's more just that it's the message that matters more than who said it at the end right. of the day. And um, no, no, dis no disrespect. Half the time it's just because I can't remember. Um, but anyway, so well, there are a lot of them, right? And there are a lot of them. There's so many hey, teachings. If you're living it, people are going to pick it up. Doesn't matter who said it first. Exactly. And I, you know, so it's, and it's all shared consciousness and, and, and everything. Right. Unity consciousness, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, so, everybody's welcome. All you got to do is just change your mind. Yeah. My ideas, your ideas, everybody's idea. So um, with that being said, so um, really, uh, what was it trying to, basically the, the quote was that to truly, they're kind of talking about the spiritual awakening and the quote unquote enlightenment process. And they're like, really to, their definition of enlightenment was you really can't understand anything in this reality until you become that thing. 
And that might sound crazy, but they're like, to really understand nature, you need to become the blades of grass. You need to become the water in the river. You need to become the birds in the trees. And that might sound very poetic and abstract to a lot of people, but I know in my deep states of meditation or even walking through nature and feeling unbelievably connected all of a sudden and, uh, or with plant medicine as well, all of the above, I've felt, I've felt that where I really all of a sudden like morph with the water and you have these moments of connection, let's say, and understanding. And in those moments, it's again, English is challenging to articulate it, but you feel that almost godly universal consciousness uh, and connection that I'm like, yeah, I am the water. I am the wind, I am the trees, I, I, you know, and those feelings are like the definition of euphoric bliss, basically. <laughs> right there. Right there. Because that's the, that's the place we all go back to anyway, you know, is that singularity sense of connection to everything, all things, everything in existence. Um, and, and Bill, this is a side, t- side note, but I was at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned not photons. What oh. was it? Phonons? Phonons. What was that oh. again? Wow. Okay. So <laughs> I know it's random. Uh, completely different uh, topic. But, um, you know, I'm into like quantum mechanics and stuff and, and read about such things. And so whenever somebody says quantum, I always wonder. And I saw this thing and uh, it's been a couple of years, I guess. But I was reminded to go back to it. Um, a photon is a quantum quasi particle basically, and we all know about them because they're light, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, they're the fundamental sort of building blocks of everything. So there's also phonons, and phonons are, to think of it this way, they're the glue between sound waves, but they're a quasi-particle. And the re- most, most amazing thing about phonons is that they have mass, but it's negative mass. So instead of falling wow. down in gravity, they fall up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So here we have this thing that is actually what glues sound waves together that is more representative of uh, the way a crystalline lattice is held together than the way that a sound wave looks. Interesting. So there's this mind shift that's happening here. And what I like to think of it as a sound wave is kind of where we've been. But sound seems to be more like a weave than a wave. Because ultimately, it's held together in a more holographic way right. than in a compression release kind of way. And uh, uh, it's like a higher that, dimensional understanding. A higher dimensional understanding, right? And um, that is really cool. But it does tie in to that thing back at the beginning. So when you remember music, its effect is instant. And I wonder if that's sort of like jacking into the quantum entanglement of the energy in that song or whatever it is, right? It's like direct plugging directly into the hologram that is sound or that is music, organized sound. But here's the thing that blows me, blows me away too, is that jacking into just one frequency isn't possible. You cannot admit the existence of a phonon in isolation from 
all the other phonons that are cr- connecting all the other sound waves that are it, it just goes on and on and on right so it's not some particular frequency anymore it's a connection to the weave of all sound organized or not right mm. and i just came up somehow and i guess watching a thing on the sounds of the universe the sounds of the different planets you know and uh, they're very disorganized you know a lot of the time it's not even regular noise it's kind of disorganized noise and the ability to turn that noise into something congruent that speaks and has a message you know and, and that, that has it evokes emotions and then invites spirituality and all of that um as beautiful as all those sounds are if all the sounds go away and all you remember is the structure of the the thing or the whatever it just like all hits you at once in that moment that you remember the music before you put your hands on the keyboard and play it um, i wonder if that's some sort of phonon based entanglement that brings it all in it's a i mean a who knows thought. right it's also funny because it's like this is humans grappling with the ineffable a lot of the time right right Yes. Oh, this this one is way out there in the realm of effable, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's it's so it's beautiful though. I I mean, I I think it's really um, that's the kind of research I love hearing in the scientific world because obviously it continues to come closer and closer to um, spirituality and spiritual science and right consciousness to to meld together and become the same thing ultimately, which is what the ancients had zero um, uh, difference between science and spirituality. They were the same thing just understanding reality really that's all it is but then there's but even, even with that they still built these very pure resonating chambers like in the great pyramids yeah. these incredibly acoustically live environments to get it as close to perfect as they could right I, I could see them striving to make the dimensions and you know and, and to have it be the purest possible sound chamber yeah you know, and to get there they're using sound for a lot of things like you, we're talking about just the healing properties of sound which are yeah. incredible and that definitely, um, absolutely, from personal experience, is a thing. These places absolutely will bring healing, but they also do a lot of other things. And they um, certainly, especially when sound is built with geometry, yep. And uh, you get ar- sacred architecture, sacred geometry mixing with sound and acoustics. That's, I mean, these are the devices or almost machines that yeah. the ancients built to enhance consciousness, also to almost build like a, a spiritual highway for your consciousness to uh, supposedly travel the cosmos. This is one of the uh, many functions of the Great Pyramid and other um, ancient architectural um, buildings, essentially. But yeah, even calling them a building, I don't think is doing it justice because the way they worked was everything was multi-purpose and multi-dimensional. And I've heard some really interesting theories about the Great Pyramid also being built on a higher dimension. So what we see of the physical third dimension pyramid is the obvious pyramidal shape, but then apparently in uh, higher dimensions, it's inverse. There's an inverse pyramid creating a um, right that shape uh, that has four sides. Has it, it's a yeah, mirror, like a pyramid stacked on top of a upside yeah. down pyramid. Yeah, and it creates that, that star pattern. Um, yeah. that I, man, I'm blanking on right now, but it's, no, it's, uh, I was going to say it's a tetrahedron, but I don't think that's the right I word. I think it is a tetrahedron. Is that right? I think, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. 
Um, don't quote me on that audience listening, watching, but, uh, the name of that particular geometric shape, but it's a very, very powerful shape. It's what the ancients actually, uh, teach that you make that shape and visualize that shape. Let's call it a tetrahedron. I'm pretty sure that is the term. Um, you visualize that shape in meditation and they say that that's actually how you can, um, travel <laughs> physically or astrally with your consciousness through meditation, anywhere in the universe to communicate, to view, to do whatever. Uh, and they really do use that shape specifically as a vehicle for your consciousness. And this is getting, you know, a little abstract, but this is also just the, the untapped, unknown, uh, amazing knowledge of, uh, well, the non-physical and how the ancients knew how to interact with it, whereas we're still kind of poking around in the dark a little bit right now. That's an important shape in quantum gravity, too. A tetrahedron, if that's what in fact what it is. But it's only important because it's like you said, it's the next dimension. Yeah. It's a mathematical way to bridge between 3D and the, whatever the next dimensional oh, reality is, which they postulate it's it's 8D, E8, it's called. And the tetrahedron is the the pivotal shape that gets there. Mm. It's it's itself a crystalline shape. Yeah. And it's a beautiful shape. And um that's another whole fascinating rabbit hole right there. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, have, <laughs> we should try to get Clee Irwin or somebody who's in that field on as a guest citizen scientist. Yeah. But he's funded a lot of this incredible research and you know, I don't know if, if you could go to Harvard and find people doing quantum gravity research the way that you can in Pasadena, but uh, it's an interesting endeavor, you know, and we're, we went through string theory and now we're on to quantum gravity and some other things and uh, wow. the nature of at least implied reality that these mathemat mathematicians are doing uh, the, the work's incredible. I'll, I I, maybe I'll post a link to that in there too. It's about the simulation. Simulation theory is part of this too. <laughs> well, the simulation theory is fascinating because it really does connect with a lot of ancient scripture and a lot right? of ancient texts because they all talk about reality in that same way. And it's true. And it's not when people talk about simulation or, or the holographic universe theory, sometimes it can, it can feel a little dystopian or, you know, like, Oh, we're trapped in this, you know, right. And that's 3d, which, which is a perspective, obviously that, that has some validity in some way, but it's also like, again, we, we, I believe that we chose to be here and, you know, this is the holographic game reality that we're in, but it is holographic and it is, the third dimensional, at least reality that we find ourselves in, if that's indeed what this is, I don't, I don't know, it's always changing in my reality, I think. But uh, if you look at that, this third dimensional reality as this holographic reality, it does start to actually, there's like science that starts to really confirm this. And I know that they've had, an, I'm blanking on the name of the phenomenon in space, but they've actually, there's like a particle or phenomenon in space that they have measured. I heard this a while ago, so it's, it's, um, I can't quite remember, but basically the study or the actual theory was that they looked at a lot of the mathematics behind things that they saw in the cosmos and they saw just observing space in general. And they found, I think it's called an adinkra code, adinkra code, something like that. And basically they realized that the way that this universe seems to materialize is the same algorithm that we use in our search engines for Google. It's like, what? So you're like, so hold on a second. You're telling me that 
the mathematics that we're seeing in the cosmos, and I forget specifically with related to what that it was, but it was something that was being observed in the cosmos. And it was literally a mathematical algorithm that they were picking up and deciphering. And they realized it was the identical algorithm that we use for our search engines on planet earth for our internet. And you're like, when those connections are being made mathematically, because a lot of the universal language, there's many universal languages in this universe. Music, I believe is one of them, but another one is math. And at least in this third dimensional reality, we do all have, at least as far as we know, the same mathematics throughout the universe. Maybe they do. I think the physics likely shift a lot, uh, planet to planet probably, but math seems to be pretty universal. Um, and who knows? I don't know if this is, I mean, we're always learning more about this stuff. So if math is the universal language and we're finding the similar algorithms being used way out into the cosmos, creating the fabric of space and time and everything. And we're seeing this in our own devices now and our own computers. You're like, it's, it's clearly a simulation. Like this, the same math is being involved that we use in our simulation. <laughs> I would say the better word is objectification. Mm. I, I like the simulation idea because it allows for possibilities that are various. But I think you said earlier, and this is part of it too, like what the the bill that you see may or may not be anything at all like the bill that someone else sees. Right. Right. So this perception of I I'm not saying that this is anything at all like um what do they call it where you the observer bias. Although, that, right? you know, there, there is some of that involved. And then there's the whole fact, you know, what do I show you, Chris, that I don't show somebody else? And so you might know me. Anyway, if, if we are, in fact, the objectification of some higher dimensional reality, uh, you know, it's, we're probably okay here in 3D. Yeah. Uh, some people that I know like to talk about us in the material world being a reflection of the spiritual world. And that kind of gets the idea across too. Like we're actually just a mirror of what really is, right? And it's an imperfect mirror, but it is in fact reflecting some other superior consciousness in some way. Um, is that close to what you're saying? Well, yeah. And it's funny because all the dimensions too, when you kind of dissolve them together, they all blend into this one singular yeah, reality well, <laughs> again where it's, so right? it's like it's a it's a constant paradox um this whole idea of dimensions i look at it like a layer cake but they're still all right. the same cake yeah you know? all part of the same cake you know and so third dimension first dimension i've heard first dimension is literally the same as source actually it's like back to the singularity interesting and it's not actually this like we look at again because of our human brains we look oh first dimensions blah yeah. Third dimensions, eh, where we are right now, but we need to go higher to the better dimensions. So what do you mean a better dimension? Like what what does that even mean? Right. And why do the ancients, like this is another fun thing about the ancients, like they would mimic their buildings on earth to look exactly like the stars in the sky. They're bringing heaven to earth in that yeah. physical, literal sense. And there's so many reasons why they did that. But once again, it's like they recognized this whole sort of homogenous holographic like we're going to where they were physically trying to exactly replicate what was happening in the cosmos on earth, because as above, so below, it's all the same. And when they can bring that, I guess, almost coherent co coherence together, 
there were some positive benefits, I guess, to that. And that's why they were striving uh, to do that. Otherwise, oh, yeah. why, why would they go to such great lengths to mimic the stars and the, the constellations and all that stuff, right? And this reflection objectification thing, uh, the method of healing is to intentionally embrace the, 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 real, the real perfect stuff. Because that changes the imperfect physical stuff. And, and I'm not alone on this. I, I read some other guy, you know, David Hawkins. Oh, yeah. Levels of consciousness guy. So this whole book on letting go, mm. um, he basically describes this process and how as his level of consciousness improved, he could let go of more and more stuff. Like he let go of the need for glasses. His eyes mm. changed. Wow. Right? I mean, he talks about this stuff. And uh, physical healings, miraculous things that we would go, what? Um, he lived it, and there are others. Uh, Ram Das is famously supposed to have been able to produce a Rolex watch out of thin air. Really, <laughs> I, I mean, that one. you hear these crazy stories, right? But the the idea of manifestation uh, is is very much a part of that practice, and uh, how anything that exists in reality uh, can be objectified here in three D uh, at will, provided that you're plugged in you know to the right thing and why not right yeah why not why not right bring it along uh, and, and if that's healing it's much more than like asking for healing doctor healing or praying for healing god heal me although there is a kind of an openness in the ask where you say i don't know i let this go to use hawkins words i don't know uh it's the same I don't know that happens when you sit down and you don't know what your solo is going to sound like. <laughs> right? I don't know. And here goes. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's life, that's, right? That, yeah, that, that's, that, that's totally life, right? And, and how do we stay at play with that? If we can figure that out, we can be healthy. Healed oh, I, in every way. Great way to start. Get, start playing music. <laughs> start playing music, right? That's the discipline that shows you how to be at one with play. And I, I gotta say, like, not that this is across the board, because a lot there's a lot of uh, you know tortured souls that do become musicians and and have challenging lives for sure, and and they're probably not the healthiest at all. Um, but I would say that outside of those uh, individuals, you know, music is a very healthy practice. You most of the time, my friends in the musical world that have stuck with it and really have made music a big part of their life it doesn't have to be the only thing they do. I mean, most of the time, it's not. I, I'm I don't just do music. You don't just do music either. We have other aspects of our lives, but it is a big part. And for my friends that have continued that, they look a lot younger. Uh, that's the one thing that I find immediately that jumps out to me is there's a youthfulness that you get to really preserve. And through what? Play, right? Yeah. Playing. It makes you, if you feel younger, you look younger. You know, Play so keeps just, you young. Just from that alone, like if anyone's, you know, having any kind of stress about aging, get an instrument going, start playing music because what is one of the best ways you can, you can stay youthful, you know? I had a guy in my class who was in his 90s, might have been 92. Wow. And he had one question, like, Bill, what music should I use to keep me young? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're 92 and you don't look like you're a day over 70. Wow. What are you thinking about this for, right? So he had other tools too, but he was he'd he'd come to music. He'd realized at one point somewhere along in the way, right? He'd found he he'd realized exactly what you just said, is that music is so important. 
to, it keep, is. to youth, to, to keep your mind active. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want my mind to atrophy. I want, I want to stay active. What music should I use? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's and great. Um, so he's on a whole new voyage of exploration, you know, in his early nineties, he was never into music never, never for that reason. Learn, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, stay tuned because he's going to be, the, <laughs> you'll, you'll see him as a concert violinist or some, you know, shredding guitar solo, you know, with some band. That'll be I, this guy. I love that. And hey, like age, age is a concept. It's not right. a defined phenomenon. And that's another thing that science or the medical world just beats over our head. Like at this age, you're supposed to experience this. And at this age, you're supposed to experience that. And of course... There's these experiments that have been done and there's some still classified experiments that I have heard whistleblowers talk about from like the CIA as an example that supposedly did um, a really interesting one where they brought individuals who were in their 80s, I believe, late 80s, 90s, to uh, a place in the desert that they had recreated to look exactly like it did in the 1950s in their childhood, basically. And with this is this is still classified, so I can't verify this is true. But there's other studies that do kind of verify this that I can't remember as clearly. So I'm just going to tell you the more classified one that I remember this uh, whistleblower telling me or telling a documentary about. Anyway, and so they observed within the first month or two um, an immediate age reversal uh, already right off the bat. And by about six months in, they had knocked at least 10 to 20 years off of their quote unquote age in terms of not only what they looked like, but their mobility, like they were dancing again. So a lot of these people are yeah. wheelchair bound and yeah, they were yeah. dancing, they're mobile. And because of their mind was like, I'm back in my childhood. This is the 1950s. Even though they knew it wasn't that, their mind, because everything around them, everything was recreated exactly like that time period. So it was very convincing and it reversed their age. So once again, that proves age is literally a construct of the mind. Now, I think in this physical reality, we do have a phenomenon called time and time does create a, a thing called birth and death that yeah. just exists in the time based reality that we're in. So it's not to say that we don't ever die, but I do think that this cap on our life of 80 to a hundred years, I think that's BS personally. And I yeah. think we can go much, much older, I'm but also if we look at the ancients, they have in the Egyptian Kings list and the Sumerian Kings list and in the Bible and a lot of other ancient scriptures, they all talk about Kings or very, or just average people that would live for hundreds of years, sometimes yeah. thousands of years. Yeah. So, Hey, so, Hey, right. <laughs> you want to get healthy, change your mind. Yeah, that's it. The question is how you're going to change your mind most effectively and how that works for you. Like what fits your culture, you culturally and, uh, what are you ready to, to try? Like, what is the yeah. challenge in front of you that would help you change your mind? Yeah. You know, the, the fastest, take that road. And let us don't know. do something dangerous, please don't. I mean, if the challenge is like using a wingsuit and you've never done that before, <laughs> <laughs> be careful, work up to that, right? Work up to that. But uh, there's so many things you can use to change your mind so profoundly and, uh, and your body will thank you for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's infinite. I mean, there's just so many examples. Recently for myself, I've looked into water. I'm, I'm trying to really... Oh, yeah. Up. Drinking the right water is yeah. so key. Well, we're 70-something percent water, but, you know, I've heard some experts, uh, some scientists that 
specialize in this talk about when you actually really dig into our molecules and even the muscle tissue and everything on a subatomic level, it's all kind of liquid. It's mostly all water. So we're actually, when you really break it down, we're technically more of 99, 98% water. Yeah. Like atoms, you know, most of it's empty space. Yeah. And, and some sort of fluid thing, right? Yeah. Fluid. So it's got a water base to it. Our blood, what do you think blood is, right? It's water based with all the other things that are in it that I can't remember. And it's not my forte, but anyway, I've been changing up my water and it's been, it's been a very positive um, effect. And at the very basic level, it just tastes so much better. So it's like growing a tomato in your backyard versus buying one at the grocery store. And Truly. it's uh, that's a whole other thing. So, I mean, I, I mean, this is just a small example of all the things that you guys can do um, to, to change things up and to bring that, um, I guess that next level of, of, of existence that you're probably looking for. And let us know in the comments, you know, what, what are you finding that is, uh, is helping you and what are you finding that has been helping you to connect with that more spiritual side of life and ultimately helps you with your own personal healing? Let us know. Definitely. I have you noticed how the, um, the word spiritual has changed in the last few years. It used to be sort of, oh, we don't talk about spiritual, right? And now it's like, oh, well, that's like part of the spiritual world, right? It's it's become more acceptable and in, kind of a more inclusive term. It's not just reserved for the, you know, the crazy Bible thumping people anymore or the weird gurus that crunch crystals. It's it's kind of becoming a little more mainstream. Yeah, thank God. And I love that awareness that we have in the world. That is, that is healing right there mm-hmm. of opening to something else, you know, some other possibility that we didn't embrace before or weren't curious about before. Yeah. And it, I'm, I, it's true. You know, um, I'll find it even like on a dating app as an example, like I see more profiles that are just all about spirituality and yeah. self-improvement. And, oh, and say, yes. Go us. <laughs> Yeah, right. They're, you know, they'll be like, I'm looking for someone who puts their self-development and spiritual practices as like a big part of their life. Like that's what I'm looking for right now in a partner. And, you know, you didn't see that 10 years ago very Not often, obviously. Uh, and so that is true. It's a great sign that we're really, um, we're waking up and we're... Not just waking up, but we're like kind of waking into ourselves, our true selves, and not this just deluded version we've been conditioned to think and yeah. kind of beaten over the head to think this is we're very limited, uh, we're, we're we're an accident, you know, or just this like kind of blip in the vastness of space and life, and we're 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 an accident that's just like here and gone, and that's meaningless, and there's no point. It's like no, that's quite obviously not the case <laughs> right in spite of hamlet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you know we have to grapple with that and and come to our own understanding and yeah go go us human beings beings in general yeah it's it's feeling good you know right now it's yeah. not the world i want if i could choose it but what do i know so i'm going to stay with the influence that i have like one to one like give me Chris and with my family and just like keep it small and authentic and playful and let that change anything. What is that famous? I think it might be biblical, but it's about yeast. You know, you put a tiny bit of yeast in the dough and it changes the whole thing. And um, more yeast, please. Well, and, and that's the, that's the effect it only takes. Um, you know, we think it's this 
massive mountain to climb to, sh- to change the world. It's actually just a small percentage of yeah. humans that are going to start to be, and we already are uh, talking about these things, teaching these things, uh, implementing these things. Yeah. And the ripple effect is is so profound that it, it doesn't take that many to make it happen. And that's the encouraging thing. So everyone that's watching and listening to this is already probably on that frequency and it only takes the small things. You don't have to be big. Yeah. You just like keeping it just as Bill said, like to yourself individually and your family and maybe your close friends, that's already so much right there. If we're all just taking that time to better ourselves and to come into, into love with ourselves, then that's it. Like we've, we've already made a change. That's it. It's not actually as complicated as we might be led to believe, although I can understand why. Yeah. So re- reclaim your IQ. Yeah. Uh, be well. Mm-hmm. Make some music. And for heaven's sakes, play. Yeah. Play, play, play. There's yep. our prescription. Yeah. Your You're life welcome. is a sandbox. Go, go muck around in it and have some fun. Yeah. And, and play well, with thanks, your brother. Na- yeah. Play, play with your, your neighbors. You know, we need to get back into community. I think that's another. Right. There's another thing like community is, is, is everything. Yeah. I so got a quote community- somewhere on that that I found yesterday. I won't go into that now, but I found one and it was like, this is beautiful. So yeah. Community. Yeah. So let us go know. Us. Yeah. Go us and everyone watching, listening, go you, you know, you're, go you're, you. Great. you're amazing. And, uh, yeah, we hope that these these positive vibes rippled out and uh, shifted some something in you. And if and if it didn't, that's fine too. Doesn't really matter. I had a great time making it. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so thanks again, Bill. I appreciate you. And this is always such a fun podcast. So oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Chris. And and enjoy. hey, we'll do this again. Let's do it again. A weeks. It sounds good. All right. Take care, everybody. Aho. Aho.